1: I would raise a glass, but you know, unfortunately I can't drink, I got gout, so uh, I'll leave it to you guys to have the fucking toast, so uh, thank you for all the entertainment and all the content you guys put out, uh, you guys are amazing, and uh, again, thank you for letting me uh, partake in the conversation, you know what I mean, you guys have been really fucking nice to me, and uh, happy fire anniversary, and here's to five more, peace out. Leave your memories
2: at memo.fm slash postwrestling and join us Saturday, November 19th at QXT's Nightclub in Newark, New Jersey for our five-year anniversary show, presented by our friends at Real Digital, a live QA, the Post Origin Story, VIP meet and greet and event t-shirt with the largest gathering of the Post Community ever. Tickets available now at PostWrestling.com/slash live. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewinder Rob with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewinder around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewinder Rob for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind a Raw, John Pollock and Waiting. It is another week here at Post Wrestling, and we have kicked it off with a, a breezy, quick, fast-paced edition of Raw that I felt like I just sat down to watch Raw, and boom, it was over, just like that. I couldn't believe how fast this, this show went, Way, Is that so? I well, love these eight-hour Raws. I think that this was the key to everything. Eight not, hour le- not less is more, more is more. I mean, after 10 years of,
0: of this, I'm, maybe maybe um, you're getting used to it a little bit more.
2: I can't prove that. this, but I feel as though they had all their television booked from Extreme Rules through Crown Jewel, and they had all of it set up, <laughs> and then they were like, no, 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 there's an extra week in October. Oh, Christ. We got to put a Raw in? We'll put some matches in. I, d- I don't know. Um Dude. Nikki Cross.
0: Yeah, um, this week felt... Dude, this was a dull, dull, pretty bad. dull
2: episode of yeah. Raw.
0: I've I've been really high on like you know um this this sort of new era of WWE programming for a while. Last week, I felt was a really weak show, and maybe you kind of give him some leeway because you know Triple H was gone from COVID. Um, I don't necessarily think that. This, that excuse two weeks in a row like this was as bad if not worse than last week i felt
2: yeah i mean it's it's not even though like you look at like what were the massive changes it's not as though they were missing a ton of people but it had the feel of a show that like didn't have all its big stars but they were largely all there like you've moved ray but that was your own move that you opted to make and i don't think that's you know crumbling raw but it, it just felt like such an uninspiring show tonight and a lot of the finishes that we'll get into, it was mm-hmm. just That's such a, that was the main thing. Not even oh, so the just power. constant interference yeah. or distraction finishes up and down the card. And then when they came, uh, God bless the women at, at the end. Like on its own, the match was fine. But do 23 minutes at the end of this show, and then that kind of a finish, I was just, I, I was very happy when the show was done by the end because it just felt like the longest three hours I can recall. In a long time for, for the show, where you truly felt the the drag of the show. And I felt that drag by hour one, much less three.
0: Well, again, I, I watch it on delay, so I skip through the commercials. I, I don't necessarily feel it as much, but I'm just looking at the content, and it was certainly a pretty uninspired episode, it felt.
2: Well, we are inspired, and we are going to be inspired on Saturday, November the 19th, after five years of inspiration, where we are coming live at you in Newark, New Jersey, QXT's nightclub, presented by our friends at Real Digital. Way and I are going to be up there on stage. We're going to be reading our emails from 2017 You thought Hillary Clinton's emails were explosive. Wait till you hear the John and Wei Ting dialogue from December of 2017. As we put this whole thing together, we will be reading those exclusively for all of you in attendance. A live Q&A, VIP meet and greet, event T-shirt as well. Braden and Davey in the house, WH, Neil Flanagan, Chris from L.A., many more to come. John Ceno is going to be in the house It's going to be a packed one at QXT's nightclub. And if you heard off the top, if those of you that are listening to the podcast version of Rewind to Raw, we are collecting people's memories, good and bad, of post-wrestling's history, Hanzi kicking things off, and uh, you can... Submit your own memories that can be heard here on the show over the next couple of weeks. You can go to uh, memo.fm/postwrestling slash post wrestling to submit your your memories and messages for us and then pick up your tickets now post wrestling slash live. We want to see all of you out there on Saturday, November the 19th, the biggest post gathering ever. And it's
0: just down the street from AEW's Full Gear. We'll be doing it just hours before that event takes place. So you can walk to the Prudential Center with a bunch of different postmarks. Uh, it, it's the perfect way to start off your day, I suppose, yes. of AEW Full Gear
2: programming. And then after the show, Way and I are either going to the Prudential Center or everyone's coming with us to our hotel room to watch Full Gear. We're going to find out what's what's happening in the, uh, the days and weeks to come. It'll be uh, – we, we will find out if uh, – we have full access at full gear. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to the show. Are you excited, Way? Full, full gear
0: or, or tonight's review? What are you what are you
2: talking no, about? No, I'm talking about our show. I don't care about any of this other stuff. Oh, I don't okay. care about our live
0: show. I'm very self centered. I am very excited. I'm I'm just excited to see everybody in person, to meet a lot of the people that we've, you know, spoken to over the years, but um never never really engaged with in, 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 in real life. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody and uh I'm 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 looking forward to seeing the live AEW show as well.
2: Uh this week uh we will turn everyone's attention to Tuesday night's live edition of Ask Away. We are gonna be going live for all members at the Post Wrestling Cafe, eight PM Eastern on Tuesday night for this month's edition of the Ask Away mailbag show. So if you're a cafe member, you are welcome to join us. Wait, l- look at that image. I don't know I spent, how you, how did
0: you do this? How did, oh, how man. did you Oh man, it, it was,
2: it, I was up all night. So um, for
0: people listening to this, John, John is in charge of a lot of these graphics now. And to, to advertise, um, this week's schedule, he found an image of a post, a mailbox with the word post on it. Did you add the lettering yourself or, or did, was this a clip art that you found with the word post already on it?
2: I copied this way. I just oh okay yeah okay. yeah. There there was no originality that went went into this at all. But uh, all for the good of the show. Tuesday night, post wrestling cafe members join us live. We will take uh, your calls, but you can also submit your questions uh, before Tuesday night at forum.postwrestling.com. Get all of your questions in, and we will be going through all of them. Always always a fun show. Ask away. I'm
0: impressed by your, uh, you know, resourcefulness. Either way, John, you know, in I, I hate. I, I don't.
2: I don't have anything for ask away, so I have to get clever. With, it's uh, great.
0: No, yeah. it's it's perfect. Yeah. I was actually taking a walk through the neighborhood, noticing a bunch of post, like uh, mailboxes with the word "post" on it, and they're,
2: maybe they're that's quite, what we should be. They're quite plentiful, actually. There's quite yeah. a lot of them. I own one of them. We took a picture beside one of them.
0: Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we should be thinking about the potential marketing
2: idea well it, it would be it would be a great idea, uh, as you can also see on the graphic. the NWA podcast will be back this Saturday night. Uh, always must listen to, must watch programming with Nate Milton, Chris Ely, and Andrew Thompson. Uh, there is no ROH pay-per-view competing with them, so Chris will not be ruining any any pay-per-view results for you this Saturday night. Maybe he'll have Anderson Silva and Jake Paul on in the background. Uh, can ruin that for you if it's not ruined already. So uh, lots to check out this week uh, up on the site. All of our regular shows will be dropping, but I want to make mention of last Thursday and the wellness policy with waiting. Mike Murray, Neil Flanagan, and Jordan Goodman. I listened to this over the weekend. I thought this show was fantastic way. I I thought it was just so good. The, the calls were, were incredible. Uh, you guys have built like a really, really incredible thing on this, on this show. Um, I was very impressed with the show.
0: John sent me a really nice message this afternoon, telling me how much he enjoyed the show. And, um, thank you so much, John. um, I I am I'm, I'm I was really happy to be able to you know have the space for that conversation. But you know you mentioned four names. It, it it seemed it was a show to me that was certainly made by a lot more than four names because we had some incredible phone calls from people, um, including you know uh, people in the chat room right now like Dicky Bird, who uh, called in and you know uh, spoke about th- their experiences either with fatherhood or impending fatherhood in Dicky Bird's case. So, um, I encourage everybody to go check that out. The wellness policy is free it's always free it's it's hosted on the post wrestling cafe feed as well as youtube.com slash post wrestling just type in the wellness policy in our youtube search channel you'll find it or just go to post wrestling.com and under podcast under post wrestling cafe click on the wellness policy and you'll be able to find all of them
2: well, I, I definitely recommend checking that out. And, uh, of course, all of the uh, the shows that came out over the weekend. We had a Halloween Havoc post-show with Braden and Andrew Thompson. Myself and Eric Marcotte did a UFC 280 post-show on Saturday. And, of course, WrestleNomics radio dropping with Chris, Jesse, and Brandon on Sunday. Uh, asking the the big question, could The Rock buy the WWE? Find out in this podcast. An hour and 20 minutes. You will get your answer by the by the end of it. So, uh, and Brandon Thurston will also be at the uh, the post wrestling five year anniversary show next month. So come come hang out with Brandon Thurston as well. He's going to be handing out fist bumps. Is that what he does? Yes, fist yes bumps. He, is. he has promised us. Ooh. All right, let's get into the uh, the news of the day, and uh, we're going to start off with a, a really tragic story. I know you mentioned this uh, last week, but uh, we, we haven't uh, discussed it, and uh, that is the, the passing of Kevin Nash's son, uh, Tristan, uh, which happened last Wednesday. Uh, his son was 26 years of age, uh, just a tragic, tragic loss, and amazingly, uh, Kevin Nash did a podcast today uh for 90 minutes with his co-host Sean Oliver dedicated to his son who was involved with the the production of the podcast and I just I clicked on this and I just could not fathom um Kevin Nash doing this but I'm sure that it was very helpful for him to just maybe uh talk about his son and have a distraction have some kind of outlet for what I, I cannot even imagine the the emotions that he has been going through with his wife over the past week. But this was a really tough lesson. Um, he talked about uh, him and his wife essentially finding their son uh, in his room, and he was you know he had a seizure that led to him going into cardiac arrest and. Ah, uh, the EMTs came. They were able to actually bring him back and then got him to the hospital, but ultimately could not save him. And you know, he he talked about the fact that him and Tristan had actually just recently both of them made the uh, the pact to just stop drinking, uh, cold turkey, and that had happened just the week before. So, I mean, he is uh, Kevin Nash is obviously dealing with a ton right now. Um, but man, it was it was a very very hard listen uh to mm-hmm. to hear about but i mean everyone has kind of their their way way of grieving and if talking about it that's uh, probably actually very healthy to probably mm-hmm. be doing that rather than just being um you know keeping it internalized and i mean i just i don't know how you possibly deal with something like that
0: i can't begin to try to process um what that would be like um it's it, the worst thing uh, imaginable and uh I, everybody, you know, will probably have a different reaction to how they, they respond to that sort of grief. And it seems like for, you know, Kevin Nash, one of those was to talk about it, um, and, and share it with the world, uh, exactly what, what sounds who, somebody who sounded like a, a tremendous human being, um, way too young, you know, taken from the world and, uh, I, I, you know, I listened to to part of the podcast, and, and it seems like, it, it, as usual, you know, Kevin Nash is somebody who, you know, um, seems like he's relying on a bit of humor to try to deal with something like this. But I have to imagine something, this you know, this this new, this fresh, not even a week, um, I, I imagine a lot of that healing is still to come. So, our, our thoughts and condolences to them.
2: Yeah. I mean, this has been an incredibly difficult year for for Kevin Nash, and that's putting Mm -hmm. it very, very mildly. So our condolences to the Nash family. And if you want to check out that edition of the the Click this This podcast, it is uh, out today uh, discussing uh, 90 minutes on, on his son, Tristan. Over the weekend, Halloween Havoc took place. Uh, some of the takeaways from the show, uh, Braun Breaker retaining the NXT Championship over Ilya Dragunov and JD McDonough, Wes Lee winning the North American Championship, and Mandy Rose overcoming not just Alba Fire, but the uh, the House of Horrors and retaining the NXT Women's Championship. Did you uh, dip in at all to Halloween Havoc on Saturday Night Way?
0: I did, yeah. yeah. I'm not keeping up with the NXT's... Um, weekly as much anymore but like i I definitely will try to make time for you know what i consider to be like their best foot forward in in these sort of uh monthly or bi-monthly specials um it was definitely very reminiscent of i think um (laughs) halloween havoc maybe at its most halloween havoc you know with with um man um some wackiness in the form of, I guess, what we now, you know, t- uh, deem cinematic matches. And in this case, one that I didn't think was all that great. Um, it was spooky. It was well produced, but I, I didn't think it necessarily lended anything all that clever, uh, in my opinion. But I do feel like it was a show bookended by two very excellent matches in the ladder match, and also this three way main event, which was tremendous.
2: That main event was phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. They the the three of them, I thought, just did a ter- like that to me was the, the the match worth checking out. It was a very good ladder match too. Like I'm very kind of. I, I always talk about like the latter matches. I'm pretty numb to them, but there was some pretty spectacular stuff in this match when you have a Nathan Frazier in there with Wes Lee, uh, Oro Mensa as well. And then you kind of had Von Wagner as, as your base in this whole thing. So, I mean, the five of them went out there to, Try and steal the show. And I thought, yeah, that would have been the second best match. But if you missed the show, I would, I would very highly recommend the main event because they just did a terrific job. And you know, you kind of expect that with a JD McDonough and an Ilya Dragunov, but seeing Braun Breaker, um, it, it just seamlessly um hanging with, with with these two like you can see where this guy um is already just a year into this he's a very very special talent and i'd also add while hardly the the polished talents that um maybe you had in the main event i thought for for their match that uh, damon kemp and julius creed like it was just this out of control spectacle that they were super hard i think they're in the perfect places for their careers right now i would not be earmarking them for the main roster anytime soon but they went out there was their first big singles platform for the two of them to have and i have to say i i I was pretty enthralled with with the match like it wasn't match of the show but i i was very impressed with the two of them uh with what they had to work with as well with like an ambulance stipulation like it is kind of outside the normal comfort zone but like I think both of them have a very, very high upside, but they're, they're where they need to be in NXT.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Um, you know, Julius Creed, I think we've already seen plenty of, um, of him. First. So, like, his performance wasn't as much of a surprise, but Damon Kemp, I, I, I consider somebody very new to this. And you're talking about two people, you know, with, with pedigrees in, in the amateur wrestling world doing a very sports entertainment. Heavy match, you know, with a lot of outside brawling and weapons and things like that. And I thought the both of both of them um, carried a, a great deal of intensity. And and you know, I, I didn't think it was like necessarily a match I'll be talking about at the end, at the end of the year. But I thought for for a performance from two relatively new people at the sports entertainment thing, I thought they both did really well.
2: And you know, th- there is there is a lot uh, invested in his in his younger brother in Gable Steveson. But if they feel he needs that. That step of his career and i would highly encourage that they put gable Stevenson in nxt first that's probably your program is the Stevenson's against the creeds interesting yeah
0: hmm. well i wonder how, how far along he, he is right now
2: i mean he's not on television yet so you know i would i would assume that at this point damon kemp is you know the the veteran of, of the two uh it's not saying <laughs> a whole lot but i mean mm-hmm. to me like w- once gable is ready i mean he will be Fast track. I like if they put him in NXT. I would imagine it would not be for long. I think they want him on the main roster, but you know he's he obviously
0: or he's already drafted. He's already technically he, supposed to be signed. He's got
2: a spot on Raw. That is that is right. Yeah. So that was that was a year ago. So I don't know. I just um, you know you could you could certainly argue you know putting him onto national television now. Like is that the best place to be putting him when the, he is the face of that NIL program? I think they they want to make sure that he is. Handled with care. Um, e- either way, um, but we'll see. It would be uh, that would be the natural pairing is to to have them together. Even though um, the the Kemps and the Stevensons they might not uh, know one another, but maybe in another world they were brothers. WWE has announced back-to-back nights at the Bell Center in Montreal next February. They will do SmackDown February 17th, and then the next night on the Saturday, Elimination Chamber will be staged from the Bell Center, which will be the first pay-per-view from WWE in Montreal since Breaking Point in 2009. So they are going back to the Bell Center. So um, this was the event that ended up happening in Saudi Arabia earlier this year. So going from Saudi Arabia to Montreal, which I guess is uh, better news for Sami Zayn than this past <laughs> year's.
0: He, he might actually be at this one. And and you know what? We'll probably be in a pretty prominent position, I would hope, for a show like this, he and Kevin Owens. So uh, happy for Montreal. Um,
2: Those are going to be some electric crowds, especially oh, for yeah. the, the pay-per-view. Um, but it is a question of where... Uh, the Saudi Arabia show goes next year. Like I don't imagine them wedging one of those in before WrestleMania. Maybe they go there in the spring or something like that because the the deal does call for two per year.
0: Has it? Was it February the year before last? You know, yeah, like it's a, I, it,
2: it's kind of been February and like late October, early November pretty much that's been the schedule um it's it was kind of that in between pay-per-view i mean they could they could always do something maybe in march if they i mean that's a that's a 50 million dollar show so you're you're not going to worry about uh, where where you put it into the calendar as long as it's, as it's there Hmm. all right but there you have it uh a note on a laredo kid so um he had posted on his Instagram or at least someone on his behalf posted on Instagram that on Sunday uh, he worked two shows uh for, for AAA and ended up requiring emergency surgery. And you could see the image and uh, a, a message was put up on his Instagram account and then AAA posted that at, after their event on Sunday, Laredo kid was attended by medical personnel after multiple abdominal disturbances. Afterwards, he was transferred to a nearby hospital for a revision and a diagnosis at midnight on Monday, October 4th, 24th. He went through surgery with positive results at this moment. He is stable and is under medical supervision. We will keep providing updates according to medical reports. And uh, if you go to uh Lucha blog on, on Twitter, They have translated a video from uh, Mamba, who I guess was in contact uh, with Laredo Kid um, after this, and stating that he underwent surgery to remove the damaged part of his small intestine and another to reconnect the remainder. He's doing okay and going to remain in the hospital for a few days to make sure the surgery went as expected. Laredo's been told he can't do anything for at least two months and he can only start working out after that. This shouldn't affect him long term, but he's going to have a break from wrestling for a while. So this sounds like something fairly significant when you're talking about uh, two months um, that he could potentially be missing. So hopefully, hopefully for a, a full and relatively quick recovery for Laredo Kid, uh, whenever you uh, hear of uh, something of, of that nature, you're obviously uh, concerned about the severity of it. Ratings from Friday: SmackDown did 2.2 2 million viewers and a 0. .52 in the 18 to 49 demo. Um, they were, you know, on on par with what they did uh, last week. But both SmackDown and Rampage got hit hard among uh adults 18 to 34 uh smackdown smackdown was hurt by it rampage was decimated in in that demo and i think you can attribute a lot of that to both the nba and the nlcs game that was going on but smackdown was down 24% in 18 to 34 uh rampage on the other hand uh did 480,000 viewers and a 0.13 in 18 to 49 so when you look at the overall viewership number they're up five percent from last week but when you look under the hood um at the younger audience they were down sizably from last week down 23 percent in 18 to 49 in 18 to 34 they were down 60 percent from last week this was um a- very low number by Rampage standards in 18 to 34. So it would seem that um, at least some of that you attribute to the baseball and NBA games that, that were going on that night. And they were number one and two for the night on cable, but it was yeah, certainly, uh, younger viewers on, on Friday night, uh, impacted by, uh, what, what was going on in Canada. Um, SmackDown actually finished fifth among sports programs. They were behind the Raptors game with Brooklyn, two CFL games and the NLCS. So all things considered, SmackDown held up pretty well in Canada on, on Friday night. It's, uh, you know, Friday night, you put on the Raptors game on one screen, CFL, and then boom. Get SmackDown in the NLCS on a split screen, and that's you've got the perfect sports night of, of viewing ahead of yourself. There's nothing more Canadian than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, t- tonight's Raw is going to do uh, a terrible number on OLN. Like that's mm-hmm. in Canada, Raw is by far the most watched wrestling program, and when they go to OLN, like they were doing, like. Under 70,000 viewers. So they are going to do a very, very low number. Uh, Sportsnet 360 is actually re-airing Raw tonight at two in the morning. And I bet you that number might beat the live edition uh, of Raw tonight from two till 5 a.m. because, um, those replays I remember overnight from Sportsnet 360, like they were being, um, as high, if not higher than the, than the live version of it. I had to look up where I had OLN and I just ended up watching on, on the Sportsnet player anyway. Like OLN is up in the 500s for me. Wow, I don't even I don't have cable, so well, makes no difference to me. You're not missing much from the uh, the Outdoor Life Network. Uh, and the final thing is just the lineups for this coming week. So NXT on Tuesday, coming out of Halloween Havoc, we have two tag title matches: Katana Chance and Caden Carter defending their titles against Zoe Stark and Nikita Lyons. Pretty deadly. Defend their belts against Idris Nofe and Malik Blade, and Lash Legend taking on Shotzi. Meanwhile, on Dynamite Wednesday in Virginia, John Moxley is defending the AEW championship against Penta, which was just set up over the weekend uh, online. They did not push this on Rampage, and it just is kind of coming out of nowhere with Moxley defending the title last week and now defending it against Penta on Wednesday. Jericho and Daniel Garcia will take on Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. Brian Danielson against Sammy Guevaro, uh, Guevara, Guevara. Reho against Jamie Hayter, and FTR taking on Swerve in Our Glory, which is a pretty solid lineup for Dynamite.
0: As usual, yeah, I think I think Dynamites are usually like really strong on paper. Um, I've been very negative on Rampage lately, but Dynamite has been to me pretty consistent, you know, over the past several weeks.
2: Yeah, they're also in Virginia on Wednesday, so it'll be interesting if Hangman Page is on the show, um, if they bring him out hmm. for an update, or or there's something just following up mm-hmm. off of uh, last Wednesday and the, the way the, the show went off the air. Um, so there you have it. That is all of the uh, news and notes. You can find all of it at, up at postwrestling.com, and we will get into tonight's edition of Raw from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina, which if you were uh, picking Mondays to go attend Raw... Charlotte, sorry. This was, uh, you got the short end of the stick on Monday night. This felt like a long show. And this was a crowd that, uh, did not seem all that engaged with what they were presented as well. Like this was a, yeah. a pretty low key crowd, which is going to infuriate my inbox when I hear from people in Charlotte who will say, We were so loud. What, what were you watching? Did not sound great on this show.
0: I mean, I was, I, I had the same, um, opinion as you about the crowd. Um, whoever would be saying that might be, might've been in the it, surrounded by a really loud person in front of them two really loud people next to them. And one really loud person behind them, but that does not necessarily translate the screen. So I, I would agree.
2: Yeah. One of the patterns we've seen over this, you know, last couple of months has been, you know, several things that are announced in advance for raw mm-hmm. that, you know, going in and like this morning, I'm just looking at him. Like all they've announced is Bailey and Bianca Belair. And then in the afternoon, they added Finn Balor and Carl Anderson. But that is all that they had plugged for tonight. It just seemed it was a very underwhelming lineup. Like there were no angle set up last week. There were no appearances. It just felt like a very ho-hum edition of Raw and nothing, nothing built up at all. Yeah, I usually like go
0: on the website just to kind of grab the photos to use for their previews. And tonight it was only two, two matches, which um, was is kind of unusual, you know, in this new era of um, WWE programming.
2: Yeah, which uh, these two matches got to combine forty minutes of ring time, so that was that was how they were padding out this show. The Judgment Day starts things off. Uh, Finn Balor calling Dominic versus AJ Styles one of the greatest matches of all time, and AJ crumbled under the pressure to the legendary Dominic. And then the highlight of the show, Dominic is handed the microphone. The judgment day are the only ones to believe in me. I proved my doubters and my haters wrong. I'm built different. And then Dominic proclaims that he is this generation's Eddie Guerrero before he corrects himself and states Eddie was his generation's Dominic Mysterio.
0: Well, of course. Yeah. Um, how does I mean, that work?
2: I, like Eddie, like would he have been able to have like uh, like telepathy? Like would he know this in the, in the future? Like in two thousand three, hmm. would he have known that this little child, I will be him of his generation now?
0: I think in retrospect, you can make those sort of comparisons. You know, like we we can call Bob Acklin maybe the the Hulk Hogan of of his period of dominance. Okay, you know that sort of thing. I mean, what he's saying is that he is the, the standard you know, with which everybody in the future and the past will be compared against.
2: It's good. It like the Eddie stuff gets the crowd really riled up when he does mm-hmm. like the Eddie spots and compares himself to, to Eddie. To me, there's a real awareness of, I think, you know, how
0: Dominic uh, Mysterio comes across, you know, when they exaggerate him to, to this degree for heat. Um, and every line everybody said here, I thought was was pretty funny. You know, uh, and also great for you know want, making you want to boo the person, calling him the greatest luchador in the history of the business. Um, it, it, I, I thought all of it worked really well.
2: The O.C. cannot hear any more of this. AJ says that Dominic is this generation's James Ellsworth, and they're going to pick Did off. Did not their-
0: expect expect that name to ever be brought up in WWE again for many reasons. Well,
2: got no reaction either. I feel like James Ellsworth is like a. I, I mean, I imagine like it it resonates with some people, but that's that's a fairly random name, I, I would say.
0: I think it I think it makes sense. You know, when you're picturing like who's a notable like non rest like wrestler who who is really shouldn't have ever been in the ring, like he was kind of hired to be that role, right?
2: They're going to pick off the Judgment day one by one and Balor brings up how he was the one that started the club they're all living off of his legacy and Carl Anderson says that he is the toughest man in the building and he wants the match with Finn Balor and then I was waiting for Finn to say are you sure you aren't already booked in a in another match somewhere else are you able to have a match here in <laughs> WWE tonight
0: well people were joking that you know um, they should have really put the never openweight championship on the line for this one
2: well, yeah. I mean it it kinda unofficially changed hands here. So maybe maybe Finn's yeah. going
0: over uh to take on Hikuleo. Yeah, maybe. Um I felt like this was a real missed opportunity for Carl Anderson to like actually say something of substance to kind of um build to this match, which, you know, let's like in the his of the available matches for a Carl Anderson in WWE, this like might be at the very top. You know, so this should have been a big one for him and he should have used they should have used whoever wrote this promo for Carl Anderson, like they should have used this time to at least like speak a little bit about their history together. Instead, he had something to say about being the toughest man in in this room, which, as a babyface, none of this audience ever bought. Like, who is Carl Anderson? When has he ever professed to be the toughest person, even in the ring? Right now, that's nobody could buy that. I, I, you know, especially for him being a babyface now. Like, I, I, I was hoping to hear a lot more about the significant history between the two, beyond just like. I started the club like tell us about the dojo tell us about e- making chonko and and I don't know making a uh, jujian bed for him or something like you know like give me something of substance to, to let me realize that you had a, have actually known each other for you know the better part of like 10 or 15 years or however
2: well in in, in the new WWE quote-unquote universe you know Freelance wrestling might exist. Uh, Full Impact Pro might exist. New Japan Pro Wrestling doesn't exist at all. Wow. That, is what, crazy. that is what we have learned, okay? Yeah. The signing you... of
0: Anderson and Gallows. It's true. You're right. I didn't realize that because they, they've been mentioning every promotion under the sun. You know, Michael Cole, at least. And um, obviously, AEW is not one of them. Um, but you figured New Japan would be, especially, you know, just kind of given... I mean, th- this entire storyline is based off of a New Japan concept and their history in New Japan together. Maybe, but maybe right. they don't
2: want people uh, going to NJPW1972.com and looking at the lineup for November 5th where they are still at, it's very bizarre. Like they are still pushing this match for November the 5th. And it just seems like I don't know. Like, it just seems like such a weird story. So they're con-
0: like conventionally they would strip the champion if they couldn't defend it, and it seems to me like All Japan or sorry New Japan really wants Carl Anderson to eventually defend it. So I'm I'm figuring they come up with some sort of way to, you know, um, still allow like Anderson to to come over, whether it be at the Tokyo Dome or something else, to, to actually defend the championship, and maybe for that reason they're waiting to actually do an angle, perhaps at the actual event.
2: Well, I think New Japan, they better not be holding their breath. I I think that they're just – it's just – it's very bizarre that New Japan, who are very much sticklers for this stuff, would advertise a match that today Mm. looks like there's no prayer of it happening, that they would advertise that. But they are – and you've got like uh, Takami Obari like going into like Tokyo Sports like talking about how angry he is, and I can see mm-hmm. wrestlers using the media for for work stuff. I do not see Obari um go going and you know uh for for quotes that are, are not his legitimate feelings. And I think New Japan's mm-hmm. going to be the ones here with like the the egg on their face at the end of this whole thing. That's certainly how it how mm-hmm. it feels.
0: We'll see how it plays out.
2: So we get into Carl Anderson and Finn Balor. Who is the toughest man in the room? The big question. Carl uh, Anderson kicks out Balor's knee, hits a dragon screw, and then a running Liger bomb onto Balor for a two count. Sling blade from Balor in response hits the shotgun dropkick, climbs up, but then Anderson stops him and hits a superplex. Dominic gets onto the apron and is stopped by AJ. Priest goes after AJ, throwing him over the desk, and then Priest is attacked by Gallows, setting up the big spot where Rhea Ripley scoop slams the fake cane, Luke Gallows, right onto the floor. And Dominic gets into the ring. The distraction leads to Carl uh, Anderson hoisting up Finn Balor, and Ripley low blows Carl Anderson behind the referee's back. And Balor becomes your never openweight champion in 17 minutes and 12 seconds. <laughs>
0: Huge celebration confetti everywhere, you know, uh Finn Balor's going back good match, I felt you know especially i like I, i'm not that impressed by Carl Anderson, usually, but you know he has great chemistry, obviously with Finn, and i thought they they
2: I thought they were having a very nice match up until the finish, like you have to overcome the constant commercial breaks in in the middle of these, but i I thought they had like a a pretty nice match together and I think for somebody still
0: relatively like uninitiated initiated as a baby face, um, they managed to get a pretty good like near fall reaction for for Carl Anderson doing the um the, the jumping neck breaker, which I guess, you know, he can't do the gun stun anymore. So um this jumping neck breaker off of the middle rope which looked really good and got a very good near fall. So um but this, this did, did begin the uh, night of um distraction finishes up and down the
2: card, basically. Yeah, this would just be a a whole slew of them that we were going to be served on Monday.
0: This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Shyster. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app.
1: Future you will thank you. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
2: Johnny Gargano and The Miz are backstage, and Miz wants to know what Gargano knows. Miz is denying that there is any secret and Gargano turns it around stating, then why are you asking me what I know? So he, uh, Miz calls him an internet troll and Miz is going out to the ring. So he comes out, he calls out Dale Earnhardt Jr. who is in the crowd and states, I could beat you in a race with my Tesla. Miz then admits he does have a secret and goes over how Dexter Loomis abducted him. Uh, Champa has now disappeared. He hasn't seen Ciampa in weeks and Miz has been targeted because of my mind, and Loomis is jealous that I chose Chompa to impart all my wisdom onto instead of him, and he was at home without a job. Ciampa is my best friend, and Gargano walks out stating he's full of crap. I just texted with Ciampa. He's not missing. He's injured. Just tell the real truth, or else I'm going to blow the whistle. And... um you know, Johnny Gargano is not Chris Jericho when it comes to just getting random objects over because this whistle, mm. um, this idea blows.
0: <laughs> Very good, John. I I was kind of curious to, to know what how you felt about this because um, I wasn't necessarily sure. And I'm certainly not really sure how the audience is taken to this version of Johnny Gargano. I think Gargano, like, you know, throughout his NXT run has, as a baby face has always kind of had that sort of little like smart ass type of thing. They're really playing it up on Raw, you know, by having him counter the Miz, by outsmarting the Miz, and I don't know, trying to be funny at the same time with things like this whistleblower thing. And for some reason, it's making me dislike him more than than he would I, I would have if he didn't do any of it. Like if he was just simply being himself. Something about like this Johnny Gargano I find kind of obnoxious. And like, you know, he's just kind of I feel bad for the Miz, actually. You know that this guy is just kind of picking on him. Of course, you know, he's he's say he's justifying it because the secret that the Miz apparently is holding it must be so bad. So maybe we await to see what the secret is, whether or not this is justified.
2: He said that the secret might get the Miz cancelled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what so, could it be? I don't know. Did he did he like do an interview like early in his career and said something incredibly offensive?
0: I mean, why would Dexter Loomis care about that? um well oh, we'll see it sounds like
2: you're very curious about the secret john um edge of my seat yeah. yeah i mean does this image not sell you on three hours of follow-up next week well here's the other thing it's like
0: i mean johnny gargano i felt like was on a very good pro- progression you know wh- wh- is kevin owens injured or something like where, where, where is he i mean he was on nxt last week right
2: but not wrestling did not wrestle no
0: so I, I don't know what's going on. I loved what they were doing with Owens and, and Gargano together as a wrestling team. Um, and all of a sudden now Gargano is just kind of like put into this, you know, as a surrogate for Dexter Lumis and this Miz storyline. And again, maybe for a good section of the audience, this is actually working really well. But man, for me, it just feels like it's, you're, you're taking him from, you know, a serious role into mid-card comedy.
2: That, that's Gargano's role. That's uh, kind of that they've inserted him in. Um, at, the, at this point and there would be more with Gargano because then he'd be the internet darling later on in the show so Miz goes on and on and he's going to talk about the truth so that prompts our truth to come down with the, with the punchline you said you want to tell the truth go ahead and Gargano says the Miz has no balls and the Miz then challenges our truth to a match and that is up next so, of course, uh, R-Truth
0: from North Carolina, you know, uh, representing with a Hornets jersey here. I mean, I thought it was compared to like the usual 24-7 sort of non-sequitur appearances from R-Truth. I thought this one actually had a lot more substance to it. It was it was the man's hometown. Um, <laughs> you wanted to tell the truth. So I'm here, dog. Like that to me, I thought was actually pretty funny. And um, I suppose, you know, just to give you another match between um, The Miz Against his former tag team partner in The Awesome Truth, if you remember, John.
2: That Kevin Patrick brought up here. And Corey Graves told us no one remembers that. That's ancient history.
0: It's kind of true. But they did go up. They main evented against The Rock and John Cena.
2: Yes. Well, uh, Truth does his Cena spots. Miz then, he's signaling for the skull crushing finale. But when he does it now, he yells massive balls. Mm -hmm. That's his signal. You like, you, I mean, you you do
0: most most days when you're about to <laughs> slam down a beer or something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the next time you and I get into a street fight, way. That's what I'm going to scream right before I hit my, my finisher.
0: I guarantee you would defuse any situation if, if somebody did that. Yes.
2: Could you imagine like you're in a heated fight with somebody? If they yelled that, like I would just start laughing. I'd be like, what are we even fighting over? That I was would good run line. away.
0: I'd run away. I wouldn't know what I'm massive
2: get. balls. He's, I mean, he's dreaming of an arena one day, screaming this back at him. He's going to be waiting. Um, But then he gets distracted by a man in a hoodie in the front row. And of course, this is just too frightening. And he's rolled up by R-Truth in 247. It's not Dexter Loomis. Instead, the man in the hoodie was the guy that we assumed was ringside this whole time. It's Johnny Gargano, who just did a, a costume change midway through the match. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't watching this either for the two minutes it lasted.
0: Yeah, it's just sort of like Dennis the Menace shit that I just I, – I, it doesn't make me like Johnny Gargano anymore. Like nobody to me likes Johnny Gargano for that reason. We love him dude, because he's, a, he's an underdog who never gives up. You know? Dude,
2: Not, the amount of like bell curving that we do for promos on these shows, the amount of times I went back to Jimmy Snuka and Don Morocco throughout this show – and what we have as the contrast of what Stop. is being set up here it's like dude, we give such a pass to some of these pro- that are just god awful it's like oh they said a coherent sentence and i made a, a logical sense of what the beginning and middle of and it's end of this sentence it's a totally was.
0: different show in 2022 compared to 1983 i mean you you can argue yeah like we, that the 1983 set of promos would have worked way better tonight but, um, man, they just simply don't produce TV like this, and these people probably didn't necessarily grow up watching
2: promos that were well, even Miz like misses that. on all those dVDs. he he watched everything. <laughs> true he, right he's the talking head
0: yeah i don't know i found gargano kind of unlikable and obnoxious throughout all this you know why not just leave the Miz alone say your piece let him tell the truth eventually um, and then be done until with. this
2: secret is revealed Miz has been an unabashed victim in this yes. whole thing he's been the victim of he has been kidnapped he has been his home has been broken into no, with his, his infants asleep yeah. in their beds
0: totally he's been
2: dragged underneath the ring traumatized his friends been taken away from him i mean this is just and now he's being extorted by johnny gargano
0: something's up well this this secret better be a hell of a secret okay the other thing is like the the whole tomaso the tomaso champa side of it i did not realize that like um when johnny gargano was entered into this whole thing via dexter loomis that you know this might when he walked out here i thought this might have been their way of linking gargano with champa together and so i felt like they might have kind of teased that a little bit but I also feel like they just kind of gave it away here, you know, in with Gargano saying, I just texted Champa. He texted me back saying that he was okay. So we know that they're actually friends. So to me, like that kind of robbed any tension away. I also, also don't even necessarily know if they'll be, you know, going towards that direction now because of that line kind of like
2: spelling things out already for us. It's one thing to have a texting relationship. It's another to have a uh, working relationship in your place of business. Okay. So there's still more, perhaps there's still hurdles to overcome. Okay. Kathy Kelly did a sit down with Candace Lorray, and she knew this would be a challenge, but she's been helped here in the raw locker room by Belair Oscar and bliss and then damage control, interrupt the interview and go over all the women they've put on the shelf. And Candace stands up to them calling EO untrustworthy. Dakota Kai is still spiteful and Bailey still isn't raw women's champion. So they just beat the hell out of Candace. The camera tips over and uh, Candace is destroyed. And uh, her husband had other things he had to get to before taking care of Candace, I guess.
0: Her husband had to return the cloak that he borrowed from the props department. Um, This was a real oversight, especially after like (laughs) it'd be one thing if we didn't see Gargano for the rest of the night. But we saw him shortly after this. Ha- big smile on his face like you okay. go lucky
2: there is a point the next time we see him backstage he is stating he's looking for candace but then his attention is diverted by miz and then jbl and corbin he then gets into a match with corbin and he there's no follow-up of like his wife who has been laid out in a locker room somewhere and and this is not one of those like john moxley renee paquette deals where it's like we know they're married but we kind of candace like flat out is johnny gargano's wife it is stated right there in the sit down interview like it is these two are husband and wife in real life and in the story
0: yeah the moment my wife gets like (laughs) sent to the hospital like i'm dropping the rest of my evening you know i don't care if jbl is trying to goad me into a match with baron corbin like it's It's over, you know, so I I, I didn't like the fact that they slotted this, like, put this interview towards the end, you know, put it on later and then have Johnny Gargano be done with his evening and then do this Candace stuff. It just kind of makes Johnny look pretty bad to me, in my opinion.
2: Elias passes by Matt Riddle with the bongos. And he explains he's a serious artist who has a long history of people interrupting him and he's never going to let it happen again, but he's letting it slide with riddle who interrupted him last week. So just bong jokes from riddle alpha Academy show up and call the two blink one eighty Shoosh. That's
0: pretty good. Reunion tour.
2: Yeah. Very expensive reunion tour. I heard people are pretty upset. Um, and they call Ezekiel a moron, and Elias takes issue with this and sets up a a tag team match.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess we'll we'll talk more about Elias and Riddle a- afterwards. I mean, they are teasing that Elias wants wanted to um, attack Riddle at the end of this, but it was almost more like oh, I'm going to get you someday, like you know. But I secretly, you know. I can't stand you, but I, I also um,
2: – It feels like they're going right back you. to step one of the Randy Orton team where yeah. this is one we can break up. It's not going to uh, catch on to the same degree. I but mean, it does feel, every, It feels every like night. just a formula with Riddle that we're just regurgitating yeah. now. We're doing a poor man's Randy Orton now. Yeah, just like Randy Orton and
0: Riddle was like a version of Riddle versus – and Pete Dunne together. Exactly. You know, there's yep. always going to be a bit of an on-couple dynamic, yeah.
2: Austin Theory against Mustafa Ali. Seth Rollins was out on commentary. That was his role tonight. And Theory takes a selfie on the apron, gets knocked off by Ali. As Ali mounts a comeback, Rollins is getting more and more worried. And Theory blocks a second uh, Tornado DDT, turning it into a Fisherman Buster. Ali stops the A-Town down, backstabber, and then Rollins runs in, allowing Theory to crotch Ali on the top rope and turns it into A-Town down, pinning Ali in 12 minutes and 4 seconds. So this is our third match of the night and third interference-slash-distraction finish of the night. Yeah. And we're building up Ali for Rollins as he takes this loss to Austin Theory. And no mention at all. The the man everybody beats, Austin Theory. Yeah, the guy who shows up to close the show at NXT last week, uh, no mention of that at all. He's just back here beating Ali, and Rollins and Ali is the match we're building towards as they fought afterwards, ending with Ali sending Rollins into the LED screen at the entrance.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that NXT tease was meant to be anything more um, than, I don't know, just a an another appearance by a raw person, a WWE main roster person to try to battle the competition, I suppose. That seven um,
2: minute overrun segment. We gotta end it strong. Austin theory. I thought tonight just kind of
0: told you everything you needed to know about that. There's you know, nothing no real substance there in my opinion. Uh, yeah the match was okay, but man, Ali does not feel all that hot this week. Um the cl- like last week I thought they did a really good job of like making him feel like, you know, he he's he's at least um somebody that you should, you know a Seth Rollins you could you know, uh, imagine should take seriously but this week i i didn't feel the same way um anyway
2: miz is uh he finds gargano so this is where he he had been starting his search for Candace never concluded his his finding and then he runs into JBL and Corbin who refer to Gargano as the internet hero the independent darling and he's in the major leagues now and tells him to stop and introduce himself you'd be carrying my bags in the attitude era and gargano brings up he was eight years old during the attitude era and introduces himself to mc hammer pants jbl and then goes through all of corbin's different names asking him what his name is now if it's boring corbin Hmm.
0: yeah yep Some z-
2: zingers here M- mc hammer pants
0: uh, at least making note of like the obnoxiously large pants that JBL had last week.
2: Hmm. They mentioned that uh, Black Adam is the number 1 movie in the world, so getting getting more uh, attention than Guardians of the Galaxy got when when Batista went off to to do that film. So it's good to see The Rock is in good standing with the company. Yeah, certainly.
0: I mean they uh, are, what projects are they involved in with him? Do they like uh, Young
2: Rock Young Rock, yes, that would be the one. They're uh, they're not like producers on Tales from the Territories, but they're being they're they're providing people to be on that show, so they're being you know they're obviously in very good standing. Have you seen the the reviews for this thing? It like on Rotten Tomatoes, the fans love this movie Mm -hmm. and critics fucking hate it. Yeah, it's it's such a disparity of uh, reviews. It's such.
0: I mean, I, I'm honestly not all that interested at it, in it at all, but like seeing the reactions is making me interested because I've heard even critics say like they thought it was a bad movie, but they can't wait to watch it again. Like it's somehow like bad. Uh, like if you're just kind of talking about maybe, I don't know, um, uh, d- 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 scripting, direction, but it was also incredibly fun. And that to me sounds. Like you know, it's ultimately a good time. So I'm kind of curious. Look here, it is 90 percent audience score, 39 percent critic score. So you can't you can't always trust the critics. You got to go up and, and and make a make your minds for yourselves.
2: They did like 140 million worldwide over the weekend. So that's a mm-hmm. pretty sizable figure. They beat expectations. So I mean, th- this is like a real coup for like Dwayne Johnson being being the lead here. The it's DC a real has coup. so much. It's In, a real cool. this franchise. It's a
0: real cool for, for Warner Discovery, you know, to have an actual success story on their hands, at least box office wise.
2: It's great that Warner Brothers finished the film and released it to the public. That's a, that's a mm-hmm. big step forward from, from Batgirl. So congratulations, Warner Brothers. Uh, Omos de- destroyed uh, four guys, including Sal Renaro. Didn't get the others, but uh, they were identified as Tom, Denny and Adam. And MVP cut a promo omos just put his hand over this guy's head <laughs> um i thought omos was pretty great in the segment i thought he like just he destroyed these guys he's got this squash match down pretty pat and just killed these dudes ended with a tree slam to renaro and stacked the two of them in a minute 41 and uh for all you want to say about this braun Strowman omos thing mm-hmm. that clip on the wwe's youtube did like oh, yeah. an yeah sane figure like well over two million views. Like uh, Braun Strowman, he always did well with like his crazy stunts and stuff like that. But these two just doing like their face off and the shove to the floor. Um, that was like a big YouTube hit for for WWE. Well ahead of like what Logan Paul is doing uh, for you. Yeah,
0: which is I mean I'd be I'd be very curious to, to know like what the uh, geographical breakdown of of that is because to me like. Well, first of all, like, what we hear on the internet and, and what we hear on, like, podcasts like these is not obviously reflective of how the rest of the world might might think uh, when, when it comes to what they want, are looking for in their professional wrestling product. So, um, I, I mean, I, I, I was always pretty confident that these two will do really well in Saudi Arabia. And I, I feel like this is, you know, when you see two giants together, that translates to any market um, in any language. So... I imagine that their their match will be received pretty well. And I thought tonight's segment, like if you're going to go ahead and promote a man as a giant, you just kind of do all your classic segments. You know, have him beat four four jobbers next week. Have him beat five jobbers, and then whatever, just like do what you can to make the most out of what you have with Omos. And
2: no, I, I want know, these two to like crush things next week, like large objects. They have to crush and rip a phone book book in half. That'd be fun. Yeah, sure. Is this, is this match going to be the Black Adam of WWE matches? One that critics Ooh. are going to say is so bad that yeah. they can't wait to watch it a second time.
0: <laughs> That's a very appropriate comparison. Um, I think, I, I think there, there are plenty of Black Adams in, in, in wrestling um, that, that are even divisive among the critics. But yeah, I can see this being one of those.
2: Yeah, WWE's uh no, they're not far off to what Black Adam took in domestically. Uh, what they're going to do that Saudi Arabia show?
0: So. It, it, why isn't there a Rotten Tomatoes for pro wrestling? You know? There
2: is. We pretty much live off of it.
0: Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, one source that can tell you like hey, this is what this is what the established journalists uh, feel. This is what the pod podcast like review rewind a raw feel but this is how the audience feels
2: it's hard to like tabulate that i know what you mean like that's what i, I love that mma decision site where it just tabulates all the uh, like media member scores and everything like that but it's uh mm-hmm. i guess unless we were all like uh rating matches uh, uh, like uh, grapples got that yeah that's that's the
0: audience score so is there a thing that tabulates you know the the critic score
2: no one cares about the critic scores i don't think yeah they, they right. want to listen to our 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 thoughts our our right. our meanderings Chad Gable against Elias. Um, Chad Gable's really good. Uh, Elias was here. Um,
0: he He's he's
2: improved,
0: you know, and, and, and like I thought, I think we saw those improvements while he was Ezekiel. He was trying to work a different style that was a lot more athletic and wrestling heavy. And I feel like he's starting to employ some of those things, even as Elias, especially going up against the Chad Gable here.
2: Uh, Elias feels like a lot more limiting of a character to me than even like i'm not saying ezekiel was like this grand reinvention of him but i just feel like it was more interesting yeah it just feels like we're going backwards to Mm -hmm. elias to something that was you know i was i was happy that they were at least of the thought that we've got to move beyond this character and now it just feels like we're going back to something that was safe and reliable but has such a ceiling to it
0: i agree like this is one of those triple h moves that i i'm certainly not not in favor of, especially now seeing like the result of Elias, unless they have something bigger for plan for Elias. But two weeks in, it seems to mean like they are trying to push him as a real baby face, teaming with Matt Riddle as sort of like the next in line in Matt Riddle's, you know, um, pair, pair look odd parents. And that to me is just not, not very interesting for him. Not as interesting, at least, as what Eli- uh, Ezekiel was. Um, it's one of those things that was like so weird and you could tell might have been like a real Vince McMahon idea. But because the people playing it were so good, it really worked, and you just don't have any of that like interest here uh, with with this reversion to Eli- Elias.
2: Elias tried to do the shoosh, that got no reaction, but then he fires up, and you know Sting would like scream into into the air, and the crowd would cheer. So Elias puts his he cups his hands. Who wants to walk with Elias? I'm like, why, why don't you give me your whole mailing address as well on top of it? I mean, could, could we come up with something longer for you to yell for this audience that is not going to chant this back at you? Uh, terrible. Uh, ankle lock by Gable rotates uh, Elias off the shoulders. The coolest spot of this match was Gable going for a moonsault off the top into a knee strike from Elias. That man, did Chad Gable have the, the faith of the world in this man.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine this feeling very good, John. Like damn, like oh my god. This was this is the spot of, of the night. You know, all due respect to the main event, which I, I, I really enjoyed. But man, this was this should've at least been been the finish for this match. It was really spectacular.
2: No, we had to uh, instead have uh, a whole spot where Otis misses Elias on the floor, and then Elias hits his finisher on Gable, uh, hitting his finisher in nine and a half minutes. You're totally right. Like, the knee would have been a cool ending, and you would have remembered this. Instead, no one will ever remember this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, the, the, that was a really cool moment in the match, but overall, this crowd was not responsive to this one at all. And, um, we, we will, we, we are critical of, of, perhaps Charlotte as, uh, as a crowd as a whole, but they're not exactly giving this crowd that much of a reason to cheer for Elias. You know, somebody like who last we saw, to my recollection, was a heel. And I'm speaking of Elias and not Ezekiel. Um, he hasn't been all that interesting. Like to me, baby faces get over by great wrestling and, um, Well, this was good. Like, this was not enough, you know?
2: Maybe he's got to slow down his his chant for the crowd. Could be that, too. I don't know. I have a question. How many of you would be interested in the notion of (laughs) opting to walk with Elias? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otis then attacks. uh, It's a two-on-one attack. Matt Riddle runs down. Bro to sleep on Gable, floating bro onto both. And uh, yeah, another segment on on this show. I'm sorry. This was like just flatlining for me at at this point. The OC are in the trainer's room. AJ says, we have a Rhea problem. And uh, Gallo says, well, I'm the best with the women. And is going to go handle the Rhea problem. So he comes back after the commercial break holding his balls. A lot of balls on this show, by the way, and they all then agree we have a Rhea problem, and they need to do something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: right. I I seem to re- recall that uh, Gallows and Anderson, if if it was one thing that was um, kind of dead on arrival for their last WWE run, it was the angle where they took the New Day's balls. Do you remember that and put them in formaldehyde? They literally took their balls. Yeah. Remember yes, this? Yes.
0: Yes. This sort of um uh scientist segment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh hey man. <laughs> it's gallows and Anderson. Um it's it's you know like dick they've been back two weeks they've been back two weeks okay the 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 new car smell is gone oh goodness goodness (laughs) like again we all get really excited anytime we see new faces especially when they're faces that are directly from new japan pro wrestling or impact wrestling um oh forbidden door it's happening this what does this mean uh, he's the cha- he's an open
2: weight champion, isn't this yeah. cool, everybody? Hey, hey, Haku's the hardcore champion, and he's in the Royal Rumble. I'm sure that <laughs> WWF is going to let him go back to WCW and drop yeah. this title on Thunder. I'm sure they will. They, yeah. WCW doesn't have it under contract, but WWF are good guys. They're going to let Haku go back with the hardcore title.
0: Okay, all, all that said, like you know that that new car smell. I mean, I think the challenge of every promoter is to try to maintain that excitement for as long as you can, and WWE has done pretty poor in trying to maintain our excitement for Gallows and Anderson. And and granted like I think once they realized the raw, raw material they had to work with, I mean they re- I don't know how much they really could have done. But man, like this this type of fucking like ball humor is just like the last thing I think they need as baby faces. Again, I could be wrong. Like balls are a big topic on Raw and it's clearly working for some people, so maybe Maybe it, it will work, but there's an endearing quality about these two that have clearly, like, you know, uh, g- given them a, a big fan base outside of this. For some reason, they have not been able to translate that to Raw in these two weeks, at least.
2: JBL is out to rant about the safe space seekers, uh, these Gen Xers or Gen Zers, uh, insults the football team here in Carolina. They turned Michael Jordan into a loser. North Carolina is where dreams come to die. He just railed on North Carolina. You would think this would have been the easiest material. And they were just like, is that it? Like, great. Okay, whatever. Because then they were bracing themselves for 14 minutes of Baron Corbin against Johnny Gargano. So of all the things that maybe we have overlooked that maybe are seeping their way into Raw, as AEW is saying goodbye to its rankings, Kevin Patrick notes that Johnny Gargano is 4-1 and one since joining Raw.
0: Okay, all right. So what does that mean? What does, does that rank him? How I far don't know. Is he he's he's to about show? to
2: lose. That's what
0: we're, we're about to... Uh, I don't think it matters at all. I think you can win as, as many as you want. It's like, whatever. Nobody cares.
2: Gargano's running to the post. Um, JBL's on commentary, so we get him arguing with Kevin Patrick for most of this. Corbin hits deep six, which Kevin Patrick identifies as ring around the rosy. And if you think that JBL and Corey Graves gave him a pass on that one, you would be mistaken. The crowd, and by the crowd, I mean probably 15 people, started chanting Johnny Wrestling. Um, He lands a super kick. I'm looking at my watch. I'm thinking, they're going half an hour. This was the longest match. Corbin uh, runs into a super kick. Gargano then ends up standing on the desk, and he takes JBL's hat. He puts on this hat and I will be kind and state that he was dancing. This also could have been him having like an allergic reaction uh, the way he was moving around on this desk. This guy is the one individual that grew up and saw Shawn Michaels do his entrance and said, that's a hell of a dancer right there. I wish I could dance like Shawn Michaels. It might have been his. um, Because I've never seen two men with worse rhythm that have not been afraid to share it to the world than Johnny Gargano and Shawn Michaels. Um, So he hits a DDT. He's still wearing the cowboy hat. So what is what happens? JBL trips Gargano on the apron, leading to end of days. And Corbin wins this match mercifully in 14 minutes and 10 seconds Four interference or distraction finishes in six matches that we are up to now. But don't worry. We got a clean finish with Omos. (laughs) yeah um
0: i think anytime johnny gargano is in ring like it's you know there's a level of quality that you can expect and i thought this kind of hit that but it was also against baron corbin who i don't think is a bad wrestler but man anytime he's just on screen it's just kind of um it it automatically decreases my interest and as much as maybe i thought this match technically was perfectly fine nobody really ever wanted to see johnny Gargano versus Baron Corbin. It's also appearing that I don't know where it's leading to because I don't necessarily feel like Gargano is sticking with Corbin and and, and JBL. No, he was um,
2: he was the, the quote unquote indie rep for them to be for, for the JBL Corbin gimmick.
0: Well, you can't use him as that person while at the same time trying to shove us, you know, a baby face Johnny Gargano we should be cheering for in this feud against the Miz you know so the miz seems to be like his his you know real actual program and at the same time they decided to just use him as like cannon fodder for Baron Corbin and JBL this week um i didn't think it made Gargano look that great even with the distraction finish because the distraction came relatively easily for one thing like anybody seeing Johnny Gargano dance like that i mean he's really just asking for it okay like you you really offended everybody by those moves <laughs> And when JBL like decided to distract, he really just kind of like he didn't have to work for it. He just went over to the apron, swiped him once, and Gargano lost the match. Like he it, took
2: a back just, bump
0: off of like you know a trip on the apron, and it told me like he, JBL didn't have to use any sort of like smart tactics. Like it was just JBL imposing his will. And I came out of this match thinking, wow, JBL is the biggest. Like he's the he's the he's the toughest guy of this entire room. In the room here. Certainly more so than Johnny Gargano. What about so, Carl Anderson? Well, I mean, he wasn't in the room now, was he? But uh, I did not like this for Johnny Gargano. I did not like this entire show for Johnny Gargano, unfortunately. I do love JBO in this role. I think when he's a full-on heel, he is tremendous. Like when he was being a commentator, when he's doing those panels, I I hate, I hate, hate, hate him. But when you are employing the man to be the most hateable person i i think he's great and now he's kind of playing like you know in this sort of like um uh the i what what do you um dan what's his name dan lambert Uh, dan lambert like sort of like you know like a old curmudgeon dan lambert complaining about millennials and gen Zers um and uh what what was the verbiage he he used Um, safe space seekers safe space seekers exactly I think he's sort of perfectly cast for that role because he, it probably reflects who he actually is as a human being. But for that reason, I I I found him like very entertaining on commentary and as a mouthpiece here.
2: Yeah, I I mean it's JBL's a great talker. We'll we'll see if this story ha- has legs with with, with this character uh, where it ultimately goes. It'll be interesting how they handle him next week because they're in Texas next week where like that's. Uh, No, Uh, you can turn the crowd fairly.
0: You should be healing on the crowd for sure. I mean, just bring up whatever sports um, embarrassment is currently going on.
2: Kathy Kelly asks Bianca Belair, what does tonight's match mean? And I was genuinely intrigued by what the answer was going to be. She knows she's going to be outnumbered tonight, but this has become bigger than the title which is perhaps why we're not fighting for the title tonight. It's about payback. Bailey's taken out all of my friends and I'm not stopping until Bailey is left with nothing. Didn't really explain what tonight was about other than I'm going to fight her. So, okay. <laughs> this is the other,
0: the other thing. Do you feel like they were purposely, did they ever explicitly say that the the match was not for the championship?
2: They, they did. Um, like it was never advertised as for the title. Right. But, but if, they ever if you happen to think it was a title, then t- 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 tough I shit. You watched. <laughs> I mean, I certainly went
0: to the match thinking it was that, and I—I I, I mean, just reading some of the comments on the chat room here, a lot of people coming out of the show w- w- didn't necessarily know either. So, I mean, I just—it's it, f- it's fine. It's fair play, you know, when you're pro- promoting a match to not uh, gotcha. <laughs> say yeah, but I, I was just kind of curious if they actually said it outright.
2: Okay, this this was great. Johnny Gargano in like his 80th segment of the night meets up with the Miz. The Miz states me and Maurice got a get well card for Kansas. Did like, they say that? I was really? like, okay, am I just super tired? I've got to rewind that. There's no way he said Kansas. <laughs> he called her Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Your wife, Kansas Lorray. <laughs> This is all I want out of the show is just blunders that make it to airway. Miz says he wants to put all this behind him with Gargano. Gargano tells Miz just to tell the truth. And if you don't next week, I will. Like, this is pure on blackmail. And then he takes the get well card, and Miz hasn't even signed it. You prick. Yeah. And Gargano
0: says, you should have put money in it. Yeah, so anyway. you're rich. This, this reveal better be pretty strong, okay? Because if it's weak, yeah, wow. it'd be a shame.
2: Then there was a video package for Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley ahead of Crown <laughs> might Jewel. Be Neither up. of them were on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, good video. Thought it. Main event was uh, Bianca Belair taking on Bailey. Uh, this was our 23-minute main event to close the show in a rapid fashion. So we saw Belair's arm uh, compromised early on in the match that Bailey was working on. She pulled Bailey by the braid, but then Belair slammed her down. Uh, Bailey then smashes the arm onto the uh, onto the floor off the barricade. They go through two commercial breaks. Uh, Bailey lifts Belair and tries her own K.O.D., but Belair lands on her feet, hitting a Bailey to belly on Bailey. For a two count, then Bailey hits a Bailey to belly off the second turnbuckle. That generates a two count. Now Kai and Sky clear the desk, so Belair goes after uh, Kai and Sky, and power bombs Bailey onto the desk. The table does not break. So instead, she sends Bailey into the post and then dumps her apr- uh, face first onto the apron. Sky then drives Belair onto the desk. There's a running kick by Kai, and they roll Belair into the ring, and the referee comes out spotting them. This is the first referee to notice any interference all night long. And he goes to eject Dakota and EO when all of a sudden this random woman delivers a high cross off of the top turnbuckle to the referee, Dakota Kai and EO sky. And it turns out to be Nikki cross. And there's a KOD to Bailey, no referee. Nikki then runs Belair into the post and Jessica Carr runs into count three. Bailey gets the win. Half the audience thought it was a title change when they realized non title. And then Nikki attacks Bailey. So she just attacks everybody. And the show goes off the air with Nikki cross who has finally snapped superhero no longer. That is correct. Yeah. We've, I mean, this seems to be a return
0: to, I don't know, like sort of like a sanity version of Nikki cross. Um, very good match finish. I think overbooked, but, um, it's TV. So to me, it's, it's not as upsetting as it would have been if it was on pay-per-view served as a big reintroduction for Nikki. Um, I think my, the, the bad taste of my mouth would have been lessened though if the rest of the show wasn't so completely fill, filled with like distraction finishes and DQ or at least like, um, I don't know, interruptions before getting to the end here. Um. In ring, I thought they had a great match, but man, unfortunately, they, this, this, this match struggled in front of the Charlotte crowd. And maybe it was just a, a crowd that didn't see this as maybe they got the memo that this was, it wasn't a championship match and they weren't as invested. Um, but maybe it was the length of the show. It could have been a number of reasons, but this, this whole final ending to me didn't come together as, as well as I thought maybe it should have.
2: Yeah, I just felt like this show felt so padded out. And when you're doing an ending like this, like I get it, you had a story to tell at the end with Nikki, but when you're going twenty three minutes, man, that that's a long time. And it and it felt it. Um they they had a nice match, match, but it was like it was a dead crowd and it was twenty three minutes. Um I don't think that's bad though when it's
0: like <laughs> uh, well, you know what? If it's a non-title match, then I can understand. Like I, I, I felt like it, it, for a championship match, I was going to say like it's that's an appropriate length. At the end of three hours, it, it's going to be tough. Yeah.
2: So I thought it was a really uh, lackluster episode of Raw. Like, this just felt like a lot of stuff just cobbled together, padding out hours, like very little advancement here. Your big thing is Nikki Cross at the end of the show. I thought the Gargano stuff was weak. I thought that the finishes, um, I can take one or two, but when they're up and down the card, they're just totally taking me out of it. The Corbin match felt like it never ended. Uh It was just, it was a long show, and I, I just thought this was a really, really... Lackluster, dull edition of Raw. Yeah. One I'm of the try- weakest. Um, I, I thought it was weaker than, than last week's, and by that extension, the weakest Raw in months. Well, you know, like a
0: one-week bad show, I think, would have been you know something you could dismiss. This is two weeks now, and it's potentially indicative of, of perhaps a, a pattern in in um, lack of or a decrease in quality. And I'm trying to understand why that is for me. It's Bad booking in the finishes, you know, too many distraction types, types of things. I also think it's like the amount of talent that suddenly has appeared on Raw.
2: Um, and I think that's there, there were a lot place. less stars like you didn't you didn't even have Lashley on this show. Owens yeah. is off. Um, you know, no Brock this week. Yeah. We, Ra- we, we, Ray's you know. now gone. Like it, it adds up of like the star power that you've also depleted this show of.
0: Yeah. And, and, and like you mentioned, Ray alone is not
2: you Know a, a big difference maker, but Ray, it's the package, taking, and that was that was becoming like the hottest story on the show. And you've kind of now ended this Dominic Ray thing for the time being, exactly.
0: And you know, Edge is still uh kind of out of the picture, and so some of the momentum that you know has has surrounded that entire thing seems to be missing right now. Elias coming back hasn't necessarily you know lit everybody on fire. Um, Mustafa Ali, as much as I like him, two weeks in, I mean, it feels Like you're trying to accomplish too much with him a little too soon, taking him from really honestly obscurity, you know, uh, on main event all the way to you know how we're supposed to perceive him as like a real challenger for for the U.S. Championship there. So, um, and also like I like damage control a lot. I I thought tonight's main event was really good, but it it has been a a feud that's been going on for a long time with a lot of rematches. So, um, you know, we'll see next week whether or not they can freshen things up. Who, who's the uh okay okay well let's go to super chats right now first um John because this person uh here, let me just hit this uh feedback okay uh let's go to your super chats right now and the first one we want to go to is from King of the North who sends two dollars thank you for the support King of the north he says Luke needs to call Amber gallows to even the odds now I don't think it'll be amber gallows um but who do you think they will be calling to solve their real problem John? Well, um, what is the solution to their real problem?
2: I mean, wasn't uh, they, they kind of had live there, uh, with the uh, doing the two sweet with AJ and uh, and Finn Balor Same. for a wee, week or two, but I guess live has now gone off into a crazy town, so um, I don't know. You could, you could, you could certainly, um, it, it's a way to bring somebody up or or bring somebody back that's um. Hmm. You did do the angle with with Beth, but that really doesn't fit for this kind of a story. I, no, like
0: I I feel like it would have because the 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 it would have to it would have to be somebody with ties to either of any of them, right? Wendy, uh, AJ's why? Claire, Claire Lynch? Why stop there? Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> probably not happening. Yeah, I don't possible. know. This one, this
2: one's a bit of a stumper. Maybe, maybe it could be Amber Gallows. I mean, it's a stumper because it, it could just be anybody. Like they could just throw yeah. anyone into the into this this role. But sure. um, yeah, we'll we'll see what they have. But I'm assuming like this is like you've announced the six man for for Crown Jewel. So mm-hmm. either you you add the women on each side, or that's that's a program post Crown Jewel.
0: And then we got Hanzi who sends $7 to support. Thank you, as always, for the support, Hanzi. He says, I'm sending a donation for this dialogue being better than Raw. I thought Haku would drop the title on Thunder. I hope Pollock is fully
2: recovered. Well, yeah, we're, we're still waiting for Haku to drop that hardcore title. Off. Bullet Club member Haku, maybe he's the solution. That, that could be the answer to yeah. everyone's questions, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for the Super Chats. Let's uh, take a few pieces of feedback here. Her niece writes in from Long Island. This Loomis Miz thing is just getting worse and worse. Thought Extreme Rules was rock bottom. Guess not. Seems like they were trying to tease that theory can cash in on Seth. Now I don't think Strowman and Omos will be any good, but their SmackDown videos up to two point three million views in three days. Nikki cross straight to the top. And Kevin, I never I've never seen her this unhinged. Safe to say he wasn't an NXT viewer.
0: Uh yeah. Yeah, I guess she
2: wasn't. Uh, there was I a weird thought. call by Kevin Patrick where Graves is saying, it's Nikki. And Kevin's yelling, that's not Nikki. That's not Nikki. And Graves is like, yeah, yeah, that's Nikki Cross. It's definitely Nikki. It was very
0: odd. I mean, it might have been his way of like, I, I don't know, being expressing shock. He did have eyes. a good line
2: after. He said, that's not the Nikki ASS. That's not the Nikki, the superhero that I know uh, was his line after.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, I that's probably it. Um but you know like we're we're seeing now Maybe, like, the returns you, you can't do so many of. Like, we we saw Triple H bring back all his toys uh, two weeks ago as Gallows and Anderson, and now maybe you're kind of having to rely on bring back, like, you know, your Elias's and your, your Nikki Crosses, people that are currently on the roster but are, you know, getting more of a serious repackage.
2: It's a trap that people get caught into. AEW got caught into it where it just becomes like this it, – it's, it's a short-term fix that always – you know, can be good for a number one week and people get excited and you get into that mode of, wow, who's showing up next. But after a while, you, you can't maintain that. And, and and you've kind of got to work with the, with the team you have. Yeah. And some are going to
0: be bigger than others. And, you know, Nikki cross, unfortunately, I don't think many people were clamoring for, to see her return. I think, you know, we maybe are supposed to be excited that we're going to get it to see a more serious Nikki cross. That's not, you know, somebody who thinks she's a superhero, but I, I don't exactly know if, like, even serious sanity version of Nikki Cross is inspiring so much excitement from people. Maybe so. dew drops in the club. Okay. I mean, that wouldn't be uh, terrible. Like, I, I think just simply based on size, you know, getting, like, you know, the other largest person in, in the women's roster to go. Up she was Rhea. due for
2: a repackaging. Like, that was clearly what they were doing with her and Nikki. So you've mm-hmm. got to find a spot for her.
0: Yeah, could make sense. Okay, let's go uh, to Saeed from Vancouver who says, honestly, Loomis and Miss somehow keeps, keeps getting worse and worse. I quite enjoy Man, the... Loomis Alaska-
2: wasn't even on the show, and he's just getting all, these, uh,
0: all, all, the, all the criticism. I quite enjoy the Elias Gable match, but not looking forward to the upcoming tag feed that's going to follow with Riddle. Please keep JBL away from the commentary table. I can't stand him. Is there anybody that comes to mind right away for a female joining the OC? We we kind of discussed that. And he says, finally, the question, the cross we know and love is back. Please bring back the rest of sanity. Yeah. Um, I don't know that one's happening so much. Um, yeah, not not. I mean, Eric Young is just recently re, re-upped with Impact, right?
2: Yeah, he's doing well
0: there. He's so. doing fine. Uh, question: What do you guys look for when choosing promo of the year?
2: Hmm. Um it's usually when we when we pick it it's a it's a person not so much a specific uh promo so it's you know who's who's the best who's the best consistent talker in in the industry Yeah usually for like questions like that I mean I I don't
0: have to think that hard like it's usually the thing that immediately pops to mind the things that the, the, the promos that like you still remember at the end of the year you know or the people cutting those promos you still remember at the end of the year So I just look for feeling, honestly. I look for like how memorable it is. I look for how it made me feel, how captivating it made me feel. It's also um, what stands
2: out to you at the end of the year when you've mm-hmm. seen so much. If if there's categories where something jumps at you that happened in March, well, that that tells you something that it's uh, remained with you all these months later. So, yeah, there's some of those categories you know instantly when you sit down uh, what's winning. And then there's others that you kind of have to really uh, – it, it can be a more tiresome process to – Narrow it down. Mm -hmm. But that will come at the end of the year. Best of the year, worst of the year. And I think we will have more than enough to talk about on those shows. But we are all out of talking for this show. So thanks to everybody for joining us. We're live Tuesday night for all members at postwrestlingcafe.com, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Join us in the room. You can get your questions in there or submit them at forum.postwrestling.com. We're back on Wednesday night with Rewind to Dynamite live at 8 Eastern. And you can also catch uh, up next Tuesday night, 1015 with Braden and Davey and then Shot in the Dark on Wednesday with John Ceno. But all roads lead to QXT's nightclub Saturday, November the 19th. Tickets available at postwrestling.com slash live. It's our five-year anniversary show. Braden and Davey will be doing the pre-show. Way and I, a live Q&A, and then a VIP meet and greet to follow afterwards with the largest post-gathering ever, with more names to come. Find out who the toughest man in the room will be. Oh, that's, that's right. I think, uh, my money would be on, um, wh park.
0: I, I mean, I, I don't think it'd be anybody, but Brandon Thurston, like he's the only person with real, like, you know, pro wrestling experience amongst Oh, that's not necessarily
2: true. <laughs> I, I'm now imagining all the different, uh, the, the, the first time meetings of uh, some of these people, like a, uh people that have never met each other before. Maybe, maybe we'll get some of WH's thoughts on the, the never open way championship situation. Uh, I look forward to it. Yes. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks to everybody for joining us live tonight or downloading the show afterwards. Hey, get in your, your post memories. You can be, you can hear your wonderful voice here. Memo. FM slash post wrestling. What's your favorite memory way? (laughs) post-wrestling memory i'll ask you that next month okay Mm, okay. that's it we're out thank you for watching rewind to raw